We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way, and I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 46 months into two weeks to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams for Tech Tuesday. How are you, Bruce? Healthy and alive. Doing well. I'm glad to hear it. All right. Let's not waste any time. We're going to try as, as much as possible to stay away from the politics of the day. I don't like talking about politics every single day. It is an essential thing to discuss, but today is not the day. Today is the day that we like to talk about tech because we like to talk about other things here on this podcast. And one of the things that I'm curious about is... An announcement by Elon Musk saying that he expects, and it's just an estimate, you know, it's just a, just a guess. He expects roughly 1 billion, as in billion with a B, 1 billion humanoid robots to be in the workforce and replace the actual human workers by 2040. Do you think that's a possibility? I mean, we, we were watching some of the... Um, the, the Tesla robots already, and it's, you know, in the early stages, but they're already folding T-shirts. And, and you said the next step is probably going to be warehouse work. And of course, you've got other things like um, uh, Boston Dynamics, you know, they're, they're working on their thing or with whatever it is, their little robot soldiers or construction workers or whatever they call them. And then, of course, you have Spot, which is their little dog that walks around. So do we see that as a possibility? One billion of them in the workforce by 2040? I mean, that's uh, that's not too far off. That's 16 yeah, that's, years. Yeah, 16 years. It's it's highly possible. Um, it's a bit um, ambitious on his, uh, but if if they can nail down the um, dexterity and everything, because when you watch the video of the robot folding the, the uh, T-shirt, it's a bit slow. It, it does a good job fairly well, but like it, it's not going to be something that's done in a, like a, a, a facility or something like a uh, factory and then shoved into packaging and sent off because it was too it was too wrinkled it wasn't you know the, the, they didn't straighten it out at all uh, of course those are things you can fine-tune and whatnot but it did fold the shirt i imagine as it improves it'll be able to do much better things within a few years the the thing is though is mass producing a billion of those in 16 years I don't know. I mean, if there's multiple companies out there doing it at the same time, okay, maybe. But as far as we know, there's only the the Boston Dynamics one and uh, Tesla's. Uh, what what was it? Um, I just seen the name of it here a minute ago. Uh, Optimus is what it's called. Optimus. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, he took that from Optimus Prime. The, oh, of course. You know, the, yes. The Transformers or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, the price tag on an Optimus, though, at the current rate of things, is twenty thousand a piece. 
That's actually, that is pretty reasonable. It is uh, considering it. what you pay each person in salary. Yes. So yeah, that is they, a yeah affordable thing. It is also known as the Tesla bot. Uh, it was announced during the company's AI event last year in August, or excuse me, three years ago in August. And uh, they've built the prototype and they're already starting to put them to work. But each one of those is estimated with a $20,000 per unit uh, price tag. And the robot is limited in its capabilities. And uh, Musk said that uh, he wouldn't ask it to do more complicated tasks because he didn't want it to fall on its face just yet. So it's just one of those things. And we, as I said, we were watching some of it right now. That shows promise, I, I believe. It, it definitely shows promise. Yeah, it'll definitely. So he might be wrong on the timing. It may not be 2040. It might be like 2050 or 2060. But this is going to be one of the big things in the future, especially if we start getting like artificial intelligence in there as well. One of the things that currently we only have like single task focused uh, robots right now, and that's the arms you see like the industrial arms uh in like uh like the know, arms car. The servos that do like the welding spot welding and stuff yeah. yeah exactly um they only do one type of task whereas these guys they're general purpose so they'll be able to do multiple tasks at once for as an example using the t-shirt example they were showing it could fold the t-shirt and then package it and then put it on the right i mean it, it can do multiple tasks um at the same time uh whereas currently like i said we have the single purpose ones. Companies are going to, uh, I, I think companies are going to jump on this when, when it becomes more feasible. Um, it's probably going to take a few years for them to get it better. Uh, but if you look at Boston Dynamics and you look at where they were back in like, uh, you, you know, uh, 2015, 2016, somewhere in there, you look at what the robots were doing then. And it was just barely like uh, one of the videos from back then was like um, a four legged uh, um, bot that was about the size of a human being, you know, roughly about chest height or so. And they were pushing it around and it was able to stand up. Whereas now it's doing like backflips and, you know, uh, more. That's uh, creepy. I, I saw yeah. like the, the latest uh, software update that they had where it was doing like the, you know, they had two of them and they were jumping around like a little obstacle course they had set up indoors. And it was um, it was a little creepy, I have to say, you know, doing the high fives and backflips, as you were saying, and running up like. Uh, sideways kind of like running up walls and stuff and up the side of like curbs and things and then i saw yeah. another one from boston dynamics where they had the robot that was actually assisting a construction worker up on scaffolding as in like going down and getting tools you know like a laborer would do or something like that they would go down and, and get a tool and, and bring it up to them and this thing would literally drop like two stories yeah. and pick itself up and then go get the tool and then, you know, toss it up there and then do backflips up onto the next level and backflip up onto the next level. It, it and, is it is yeah. really impressive what they're doing. The thing with those is, which uh, the Boston Dynamics one, they have the right idea, but those are all pre-programmed paths. It's not like it's AI yet. We're not there yet, um, though that will be a thing in the near future. We're going to have those bots with those capabilities and, and precision uh, but it'll be artificially controlled. But currently, it'll be like a pre-programmed path that it'll follow, which is perfect. It's perfect for the uh, uh, warehouse or you know factory or you know manufacturing that that area. It'll it'll work great for that. In the near future, I imagine this is going to be like um, it, we're we're probably talking like twenty one hundred or so. Uh, I, it's going to be a while because we have to get AI down pat. You'll have these in your home. 
Uh, We're eventually going to have these in the home. You have to get AI to where it's actually AI. What we have now is not AI. Ned made that point on the uh, on the exclusive. We don't actually have AI. This is not true AI. It's an algorithm that's programmed by a human with a bias. That's not AI. Yeah. I mean, technically, AI in the long run will be the same thing. It'll be an algorithm. It'll give you algorithmic responses programmed by a human with bias, but it'll be more it'll be able to make decisions on its own, uh, more or less within the confines of your instructions or, or things like that. But th- those types of AI will be able to solve complex problems, whereas the current ones, they don't solve complex problems. The The current ones that people are calling AI is uh, like ChatGPT. That's not an AI. That is literally a chatbot that's connected to the internet. It has access to, to look at like, um, you know, you, you ask it a question about, okay, how do you, um, you know, how do you make some kind of food? Give me a recipe or something like that. And it'll go and find a recipe that is most liked uh, on the internet and give you a recipe and then put flowery words in there to make it seem like it's, you know, giving you a a very eloquent and uh, reasoned response. But when you dig through it, it's literally just a bunch of ones and zeros, yeses and nos. There is no uh, character to its responses or any of that. So um, it's it's going to be a while. Uh, Right now, the, the... Experts are saying we're, we're held back by uh, our power generation for AI. If we can get like fusion done, uh, we could probably make more powerful computers uh, that will be able to handle more information. Um, currently, we can't replicate what the brain does in machine form yet. No, but if we were to get more power, then that would also mean we would have to increase the level of production. So you could mass produce these robots that Musk is talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's definitely going to be a thing. And that's actually a good point. If we start having more of these uh, robots produced, uh, we're going to have we're going to have to have uh, some form of power production uh, increase because think about everybody. Eventually, everybody having one of these in their home or a lot of people having these in their home, you're going to have to have more power generation to power those uh, recharging at the home. So it's. And then if they're still pushing for EVs and all of that stuff, it this is it, that's a dead end going to have to have fusion. Yeah, that's a dead end of nowhere. No, that's that's just that's ridiculous. You know, I'm sick of the EV argument. As a matter of fact, I think at least in the United States, I, I can't speak to the European manufacturers, although I believe that the German car manufacturers are starting to get the hint because Volkswagen shut it down. And that's the biggest auto manufacturer in Germany uh, or in Europe, for that matter. I think that is finished. So they are done. They, they ceased production on EV cars. To the best of my knowledge, that was the last I heard from it because the dealerships are overloaded with them. No one will buy them. And there's no reason for you to continue as a manufacturer to make the cars if you can't move them because there's no demand for them. I think by the end of either this year or possibly next year, I will go as far as I would, I would say maybe next year, but I think it's going to be the end of this year. Ford has already started it. They're done. They're not going to make any more of these things because you've got the same problem in America. You've got the Chevrolet dealerships, the Ford dealerships, uh, and the, um, uh, the Dodge dealerships that are making these EVs and no one's buying them. The dealerships are just full of them. So yeah, I think and- the EV market is... I think it's toast at the end of this year or next. And, and Volkswagen making that decision, they're the they're like the fifth biggest company in the, uh, in the as world as far as workforce yeah. in the world. So them making that decision is pretty big. It is. And you don't hear any of the uh, the Klaus Schwab types championing that on the stages down there at Davos. So you, you don't hear that at all. All right. Uh, the robot thing. Yeah, I do see that as a as a possibility. But um, I, I think 16 years is is too soon as you were as you were talking about. I think that's too early. But I do see what's the movie. I, I robot. 
I, I do see that being a, a possibility, you know, if, if we continue down this road. All right, data breaches. We have something called the uh, the biggest data breach of all time. The mother of all data breaches has 26 billion records leaked from sites, including Twitter, LinkedIn, and Dropbox. That is a lot of accounts. How's that possible that we have 26 Well, they don't say accounts, I guess they say personal records, but that is a lot considering we've only got, uh, is it 8 billion people on the planet? That's a lot of, yeah. that's a lot of yeah. uh, personal records. Yeah, that that is a lot of. Uh, I mean, when you go through them, it's uh, Tencent uh, had 1.5 billion. But you look at Tencent and what they are involved with. That's you know video games and a, a you know they they have a lot of different things they invest in. But there's a lot of video game stuff. Um, so that makes sense that there's a lot of records there because they they get involved with. Let's say you just have four games that are uh, like uh, MMO scale or something like that. Um, that's a lot of accounts. That's millions of accounts right there. And then anything else that they're involved with. Um, but yeah, I mean, even uh, MySpace was one of the ones on there, which who knew that was still a thing? Yeah, MySpace. I was asking you about that in, right before we were starting. We don't do a prep session for these, but MySpace, I said, is MySpace even a thing? I can't tell you the last time somebody said, hey, uh, check out my MySpace page. That's been like, what, 20 years ago? Something like that? Yeah. A little, yeah. little over that? Pretty close to that. I had, I had one for like six months because my friends talked me into it and then I just let it die and I deleted it. Uh, but my understanding, this, this has been a few years ago. Uh, I had some friends that were kind of in the music industry and, uh, they were saying that, um, kind of like, uh, new musicians and whatnot, they, they still use MySpace for that. Cause you, you know, how you could use to cut, customize your MySpace and have like music playing oh, in the yeah. background or something yeah, like that yeah, when you pull yeah. up the page, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's, yeah. they still use that. Interesting. Okay. Well, that is a lot of data. But I noticed that a lot of these, these are not really like these are not companies that we use. Some of them are, uh, for example, Adobe. That's a big one. MySpace, I guess. But that's, you know, from what you said, Twitter, we use Deezer, LinkedIn. But the rest of this stuff, this stuff looks like it is stuff from like the East, you know, Russia, China, uh, parts of the Philippines and things like that. Baidu. Uh, VK, that's a Russian. I think VK is the Russian like Facebook, isn't it? Is I think that's what it is. I uh, think so. Yeah. Yeah. Zynga, uh, Luxottica, Zing. Uh, Italian uh, glasses. I just looked it up. Oh, VK? No. VK is a... No, no, no. no the, the Lux one. Oh, Luxottica. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, it's Italian glasses. Yoku, that's... Yeah, okay. So, I mean, I, I see all of these and these, these are like... A lot of these are, are companies in the Far East and they have larger populations over there. So, you're going to have a lot more records on those companies. Weibo, I mean, obviously, that's the Chinese version of WhatsApp. That's WeChat. It's, of course, that's that's not used to monitor you to go against your social credit score or anything. Or, no, no, no. No. No, of course no, not. They, they, they don't do that, so. no. No, no, of course not. I, I didn't think so. Anyway, guard your personal data with your life because that is how you should treat it. Right. I've talked about the Concorde jet before and how I think it was a mistake for us to shut that project down because I believe that that was truly at least the first step in the future of travel. And just imagine where we could be now if we had continued with that. And of course, we have done away with it and no one's gone back to it except NASA. They have now launched something called the X-59, which is a supersonic jet called the Son of the Concorde. It has been unveiled. Have you seen it? Uh, I've seen multiple. Oh, this one is actually pretty cool looking. I've seen a few of these concepts over the years. It was one that was supposed to be unveiled in, uh, was it 2019? That was supposed to be publicly start 
yes, it's boom flights supersonic. and everything. Yeah, Boom Supersonic yeah. was the company, but yeah. they've never actually made anything. Yeah, it's never it's never gone anywhere. And this is something I'm actually looking forward to. I mean, flying over to you know from uh, like New York or something like that to the EU Dude, three hours. In, yeah, yeah, three hours. Like that that you're going to like Australia in like five. I mean that. that that that's that's great uh, that that's uh, that's yeah. awesome so you're at a cruising I'm, I'm altitude of eighty thousand feet you know yeah traveling at like mach 1.5 or something like that or 1.23 somewhere in there it, it's over a thousand miles per hour problem with that plane was and I, i've actually i've been in i've been in two of them uh well, well not really a, the, the second one was not a concord per se it was the soviet version uh the the tupolev but i've been in uh one from air france i actually had pictures of that i showed it to you one afternoon uh when we were we were actually podcasting and it was at the time uh it was surreal to be in one of those things and to go into <laughs> go into that one and then you go into the old you know the one from the old soviet union and the thing was just like you felt like you were just you needed a tetanus shot just getting into the thing, right? I mean, it was just <laughs> when they did their first flight uh, of the one in, in the Soviet Union. Uh, and of course, the, you know, there's no way that we gave them the plans. Of course, they stole them. Nikita Khrushchev was on it and the seat broke when he was on it. And the I think it was the overhead compartment came down and hit him in the head <laughs> when the plane was taken off. Uh, that's that's uh, that, that sounds about. About but hey, right. it was a great success, comrade. Yeah, it was a it was a step in the right direction. But yeah, the great success. Only, yeah, the only people that still have them in operation since then is NASA. They maintain them. They fly them. They they use them as flying laboratories. So uh, they're able to uh, cruise at um, uh, supersonic speeds at eighty thousand feet. I mean, and there's not too many. And you know, there's not too many planes that can actually do that. But our long range bombers are actually based on this. Same for the Soviets as well, or excuse me, the Russians, but what's the difference really? Their long-range aviation is based on the same thing. Their, their long-range bombers were, were all based on this. So the fact that NASA's made the X-59, and then of course we've got the orbital glide one as well, don't we? It's an X something. I, I can't remember what it is. Yeah, there, there's been a few of these that have been experimented with. This one is a, a different uh, design. I think it's actually by Lucky Martin, but... I've seen some of the new concepts and they're they're okay. So part of the problem with um, the the Concorde back in the day was when it reached supersonic speed, uh, obviously, or well, uh, when you break the sound barrier, you uh, create a sonic boom and that can blow out glasses, you know, glass windows and that kind of stuff and, and damage your drums and so forth. Uh, these new designs, though, the, the way they seat the engine it's actually seated over the fuselage, so the the body of the aircraft is just below the engine, so that when it breaks the sound barrier, it uh, the shock wave is m reflected more behind the aircraft and up than it is downward. So theoretically, this will keep it from uh, causing a sonic boom that can uh, damage residential areas and whatnot. They're still restricted, though, I believe, uh, to breaking the sound barrier over the ocean. It, it has to be over water before they're yeah, allowed to. It's just like the Concorde. You had to wait until you were over uh, water, not, not landing. You, you could break the sound barrier then. So that's when you would really start to pick up. But even so, New York to London in three hours. Why not? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah of course. I mean, they were even, I, I was seeing an article talking about from uh, New York to LA in, in like two hours or two and a half hours or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, that's, that's impressive. 
It is. And imagine, you know, if, if I wanted to get on a plane right now and fly to uh, one of the destinations that I go to in the U.S. right now, it would be a um, even with minimal layovers. I'm looking at a 24 hour flight time minimal just for my final destination. If you could get a direct flight, I could be there instead of a 10 hour trip across the Atlantic, which is what it is now. Ten hours. There's no excuse for that. Ten hours, eight, nine, ten hours to get across the Atlantic. That's stupid. And then you have to wait when you get to the other side because of all the air traffic. So you're slowing down when you actually get across. But even so, I would rather take the three hour uh, or, or four hour flight time as opposed to that. You can deal with the jet lag later because the actual trip, all the layovers and changeovers and exchanges and everything that you have to do, that causes you to be more worn out than the actual plane ride itself. Well, uh, and not to get too political, but um, the elite um, uh, would see, I think it's a, there was a poll recently that showed 70% of the elite uh, are for preventing or banning non-essential air travel. Of course they are. 70% of the elite. Yeah, of course they are, because they don't want you to travel. That's only for them. You see, Bruce, they're important people, and they can't just jump on a on a boat and sail across the ocean, like John Kerry said, you know, he's he's an important person. He's dedicated his life to fighting the climate. So he has to be able to to go somewhere at a moment's notice. Yeah. Yeah. They're the those super elite that I'm talking about, those elite, they're um completely out of touch. Uh the poll also had things like strict rationing of meat, gas and electricity, banning the use of gas, those kind of things. And we're we're in the eighty percent margin like 80, almost 90% uh, of the elite that were polled are for that. So anyway. This aircraft, though, one last thing on it, the prototype, the the X-59, $250 million price tag. I expect that to come down, obviously. But you know, why, why can't we not, why can't we take the Concorde, you know, a design that worked and just improve upon it? Why can't we not do that? We've come so far since that was taken out of service. Can we not restart that? Can we not restart the project? I know it was not efficient. I know that it had problems and things, but my God, you gave it to British Airways and Air France. How about you let the Americans take a crack at it or let the Germans take a crack at it with Lufthansa or something? They they, they can't do that because Lockheed Martin has to pay the bills. So yes, of course, uh, create a new one. Yeah, with government tax money. Yeah, that's why. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. All right. That is going to do it for us for today. We are out of time. So it's been a great conversation, my friend. Thank you for being here today. Thank you to all of the listeners. God bless everyone and have a great evening. 